0: I speak to you in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, the title of this morning's sermon is Scary Mary. Now, I imagine that most of you are not in the habit of knowing what is happening on the Christian calendar from today to today. Perhaps most of you aren't even aware that there is a separate Christian calendar that is different from the one that you see on your phone when you open it up. But there is, and it's filled with feast days and things for us to remember. This week, as weeks go in that calendar, it was relatively quiet. We commemorated St. Cuthbert, who was an important 7th century bishop on Monday. And then there was James de Coven, who was a leader of Anglo-Catholic Episcopalians in the 19th century. St. Gregory the Illuminator, who evangelized the Armenians and was their, not Armenians, Armenians, two different things. The Armenians and was their first bishop. And St. Oscar Romero, a Salvadoran bishop and martyr. But it was Friday was Friday that was the really important day this past week. Friday was what is known in England as Lady Day. But the formal title for Friday is the Feast of the Annunciation of Our Lord Jesus Christ to the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is kind of a mouthful. And so we usually say Annunciation for short. It is one of the major feasts of the Christian year. And it is such an important feast that your Lenten fast does not apply on that day. So if you were keeping a Lenten fast and you didn't know it, you had a get out of fast free card because of the feast day on Friday. But Annunciation should be celebrated with a festival Eucharist on whatever day it happens to fall. I, however, am not a new and inexperienced priest. And I was pretty sure I knew what the chances were of getting anyone to attend a Friday night mass in the middle of March Madness in a year when concerts are finally happening again, and where restaurants are safe places for us to go, Fred, me, and the unlucky soul who drew altar guild duty would have been the only people here celebrating a very low So I decided to take advantage of this fact that, as you will notice on your bulletin, today is Letare Sunday. Latare Sunday is that Sunday where in other churches, not this one, you may see the priest wearing pink Latari means rejoice, and this Sunday marks the halfway point in Lent. Back in the day, when the Lenten fast was very strict, and when everyone was doing it, celebrating getting halfway through Lent was a very big deal, and people appreciated it. And so since this is a rejoicing sort of Sunday anyway, and the Annunciation is far, far too important for us to just skip over like it never happened, I thought we would read the story of the Annunciation this morning and have a bit of a double celebration halfway through Lent. Now the first thing I need to say to you is the story of the angel's proclamation to a young woman in Nazareth is actually not a Christmas story. As I've told you before, the date for Christmas was set long after the date for the Annunciation was fixed in the Christian calendar. It's good for us to remember that this event recorded in the feast on March 25th was the the original feast day Christmas, on December 25th, is the nine-month follow-on. Now, without the event that was recorded in this morning's gospel reading, there would be no Christmas. Now, there's a much that I could say, and eventually will one of these days, about God's choice to enter into... Universe, or into this world, our world, as an embryo in the womb of a young woman. About his choice to take his flesh and his body from the nourishment of that young woman. About what it meant for God to engage in the risks of childbirth and how it me- what it means that God is with us in the incarnation from the very beginning of life until its very end he knows all of our experience and nothing is left out the reality of those things should be a part of our at our contemplation of our faith that God be with us in such a personal and intense way. but this morning I really do want to talk about the mother of God Scary Mary, if you will. For those of us who grew up in Protestant traditions, there is almost a visceral fear that if we talk about her too much, we'll we'll end up worshiping her or something weird like that, and we could even become Catholic. And in our concern from keeping her from being too prominent, we have made her into a bystander who has nothing to say about the greatest story ever told. Like I, said, I think we're inclined to believe that she really can't speak to our lives. I mean, after all, she was so perfect and sweet and, and just sweet, wasn't she? She's not really human. So it's better to just pack her off to a few weeks before Christmas and read the story once and then move on and she can stay there alone at the beginning of Luke's Gospel. In all of our assumptions about her, we are mistaken. And we shortchange, in shortchanging her, we shortchange the reality of the incarnation and Jesus as Messiah. Besides which, we really need human Mary to teach us some things about our faith, about ourselves, and about the freedom that God gave to human beings. She could have said no. I think that's one of the first things that we need to remember. She could have said no. Now, I don't know what God would have done if she had said no but it was possible for her to do so. Yeah, really, you think? Who's who's gonna say no with an archangel standing right there or something you're really clear about being the voice of God and telling telling you that God has a job for you? Well, the odds are you and I would say no. Maybe not. We read the Decalogue open this service. How many of God's commandments have not been answered in your life? We shouldn't flatter ourselves. It's the worst sort of mentality and self-flattery to think that we would have said yes, just like the Mother of God. Do you remember Eve? The stories in Genesis are all about how it's always been this way. God himself had told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit of that tree. God walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. They had a more intimate relationship with him than anyone. It didn't keep Eve from listening to the servant, or serpent, rather, and she still helped herself. Remember Moses? Moses is standing there with this bush in front of him, full of fire and the voice of God. And God is telling Moses he's got a job for him to do. He's going to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And what does Moses do? He doesn't go, yeah, God, let's go. I'm ready, he says. Oh, I'm not the guy you want. I'm not a good speaker. (coughs) I'm not sure this is going to work. Why Why don't you find somebody else? He wants God to do something different than ask him. What about Gideon? God tells Gideon he's going to free the Israelites, and Gideon argues with God, I'm too short. I don't know anybody. They're never going to follow me. Finally, God has to work a little miracle with a fleece to get Gideon to do what he's supposed to do. What about Saul? Saul is king over Israel, and he knows that the prophet Samuel speaks with the voice and instructions of God, but he was disobedient, and as a result, he lost his crown and his life. And then there's David, God's chosen king. David knew that moving Bathsheba into the palace was not a good idea. There's that commandment about adultery, remember? But he did it anyway and sent her husband off to be murdered in battle. He didn't listen. Or how about Peter, who confesses that Jesus is the Messiah of God in the middle of all the gospels, and then denies him three times in order to save his own skin. Or Peter, James, and John, who go up on the mountain or excuse me, who are asked to stay awake and pray with Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they all decide that they're going to take a nap instead. But not us. We wouldn't be like that, would we? If we knew it was the voice of God or the angel of God, we'd say yes. Because we wouldn't be like any of those people. but I suspect all of us would sound a whole lot more like Moses than we would sound like Mary. Gabriel, that's really great news about the the Messiah. I I know God keeps his promises and I'm really glad that the Messiah is coming, but couldn't it wait till I graduate from high school? You know, Joseph and I are supposed to get married at the end of the summer. Couldn't it wait until then? It'd be so much easier if we could wait. You know, my parents aren't gonna like this. And the whole village is going to mock me and think I'm a terrible girl. Can't we find some way to make it easier for everybody? Are you sure sh- you really want me? I'm not sure that I'm, you're really, I'm really the girl that you're looking for. I think we'd sound more like that. How do I know this, tr- this is true? I know it because of the scriptures, because scripture tells us truths about what it means to be human, but I also know it personally. Years ago, I was on retreat, and it was getting late in the evening, and the gates to the quad where we were all staying had already been locked, and in about an hour, the doors to the chapel, which was inside the quad, would also be locked. And I sat in my room, and I was writing in my journal, and I was suddenly filled with this message. Get up. Go to the chapel. Prostrate yourself before the altar, and wait for me. The first time I ignored it. I figured it was just my own mind making up something pious and dramatic and satisfying for me to do now it's always a good question thing to question these things and make you're not the one doing it to yourself but this message did not go away well why can't we it here there's nobody else in the room it's it's kind of a drama queen thing to go to the chapel don't you think get up go 10 minutes later It's late. The chapel's going to be locked in half an hour. There really isn't enough time for us to get into this. If I go there, get up. Go. And so 15 minutes before the chapel was locked, I quietly opened the door of a dark chapel. And much to my surprise, there was someone else sitting in there. And I sat down in the back pew, well, I'm here, but, but you know, God, you really can't expect me to go up there and prostrate myself with someone else in the room. That would be so attention-grabbing. Get up. I can't. I don't want to attract that much attention. I'm here. Let's just talk here. No. And that was the only answer I got. Now, perhaps it was not the talk that was the message I was supposed to receive. Perhaps what I was supposed to learn was about the size and the strength of human will. Even in someone who mostly wanted, or wanted more than anything, rather, to be obedient to God, I could be disobedient in a small thing. Our will is vast and powerful, and it is perfect capable of refusing God's desires for us. Think about that for a minute. Even if you know that it is God who is asking or instructing, you can and you quite likely will say no. Even if you know it is God, you can and you quite likely will say no. This is, this is a hard thing for us to learn. We'd like to think it's not true, but there's a really hopeful corollary that goes with it, a parallel, if you will, be to the soul's strength and ability to refuse God. Because if it's that big then it is all big enough that it can accommodate God without getting lost. God truly can dwell within you. One of the things I've heard a lot over the years in the spiritual direction is people go oh, I'm afraid to give myself over to God. Because if I do that I'll be lost. I won't be me anymore. That's so false. You will be finally, completely who God intended you to be if you do that. And only this is the essence of human freedom. Our will is not compelled to be obedient to the Lord. The creature that bears the image and likeness of God bears that freedom from necessary obedience and compliance. The freedom is part of our dignity and glory, and it is necessary if we are to be able to love God freely, because if you are compelled to love, you don't love at all, it's impossible. Now there are those who wanna take that freedom and strength of will and create their own reality without any God but themselves. There are those who will want to ignore God, to deny that there is a God, and to get on their way with their own reality. All of us are tempted to do this at some point in our lives, especially when we're just beginning to feel the power and the largeness that's inside of us. We all want to be our own gods and create ourselves without any reference to anything but our own desires. I can only tell you this, don't do it. It will end badly. And scripture and human history are full of the stories of the monsters that such people become and the destruction they wreck among those around them. And that's the subject for another sermon, but it's important for us to remember. But Mary, sweet little Mary, Mary had courage and she didn't say no. She was no less human, no less, no less filled with the dignity and strength of will that belongs to us as human, no less glorious than any of us. But she did not say no. And so the salvation of the world came into being through her. Her example may scare us right down to our toes. But her life is an invitation to say as she did. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen.